When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast, Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. How you doing this week, buddy? I am well. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Busy week. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, no complaints. We finally, winter has arrived here, snow on the ground. Uh, so not not a huge fan of that, but. Yeah, wel- welcome. Welcome well, to winter. Yeah, I mean you've you've had winter for a couple of weeks now, so yeah, I got my winter tires put on yesterday morning, so that was a milestone. Although I had been slipping and sliding for a couple of weeks there, yeah, um, that's why I got mine on nine months early. It, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't too bad, um, but yeah, not a not a big fan of uh, the city of Calgary's uh, response to uh, snowstorms and their. Um, their uh plowing services you would think for a city that is like fairly cold and gets a lot of snow they would be like maybe better prepared for it yeah right like i get it like i'm in like the niagara region right like it doesn't get too too much snow that often right so not the best with it but like i'm like oh like it's not doesn't happen that often so it's like i give them like a pass calgary though i mean i i grew up there so uh i know exactly what you're talking about it's a nightmare i remember the first winter after I got my license, I was driving and I was like sliding everywhere. I rear-ended someone. Right. And I was like, little me. I was like 16 years old, right? The guy gets out of his car. It's like the middle of the night. He's like all pissed. And I kind of just like leaned out my window. I was like, oh, sorry, bud. You all right? And he like looks at his car. He looks at mine. He's like, he like angry. He's like, yeah, I'm all right. And then he got in his car and drove away. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> So I was like, oh, that's funny. Well. That's funny. But yeah, you got to be careful out there with the roads. Yeah, you definitely do. Um, But other than that, I mean, we talked a little about uh, the uh, last week's episode. We talked a little about the upcoming Florida Panthers games and what we were looking to see out of them. We thought, you know, three, three tough opponents. We kind of thought, you know, they should at least be able to get four points out of these games. Um, they ended up coming away with three, um, which is less than ideal, but it's also not end of the world. And it's also important to remember that for one of those games, the Dallas games, they were without, uh, their best forward in Alexander Barkov, which, you know, could it have made a difference? Probably. I would say definitely, but you know, teams get banged up. It's, it's, yeah. it's tough. Obviously, you can't use that as. Sorry, as you cannot, you obviously can't use that as an excuse, like the fact that Barkov wasn't playing. But at the end of the day, like, 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 because you're an NHL team and one player shouldn't make up your entire team. There's no I in team. The reasons go on. Um, 
but at the end of the day, it is Alexander Barkov, and it is your first line set. He's the best player on the ice. One of the, it's, it is also one of those play. ones where, like, we weren't expecting him to miss that game, right? It came out just before the game that he would not partake, right? And I exactly. think that can kind of, like, if you're the Panthers, you were probably, like, you weren't sure whether he was ready to go or not, and I think it does impact a lot of what you're able to do on the ice. Um, and they didn't look really ready to start that one. They went down 4 nothing early. Um, we had mentioned, you know, we were looking to see more Spencer Knight in these games. Um, we saw two starts from Bob in this stretch. Um, the first one uh, against the Washington Capitals, I mean, he was outstanding. He faced a lot of pucks, 43 shots, um, only two get by him. I mean, a really, really good start from Bob and probably – you know, what he needed, and I kind of saw that game, obviously I thought, you know, it should have been Spencer Knight to go because Spencer Knight had been playing pretty decent. Um, But Bob, uh, he got the start there, and he played really, really well, and I thought, you know, this maybe could be uh, the type of game that helped rebuild some of his confidence and get him into a bit of a rhythm and get him back to playing, like, you know, a good goalie in this league because that's what the Panthers are going to need. And then the Dallas game, it was just... Awful. I mean, four goals in the first period gets yanked. Four goals on eleven shots. Um, what do you make of these two performances from Sergei Bobrovsky? I it's it's just great to see. You know, like it's um like that, well, that first game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That first game against the the Capitals was was really good. I faced a lot of shots in that game, um, and obviously, you know, getting the win that was huge and then you, you kind of come back and you get a little bit of a you know a tougher tougher stretch you're kind of thrusted you get that game against Dallas and then like it's just the, the highs are really nice but the lows kind of hurt um and at the end of the day like i think that you know it's just it's the the reality of what Sergei Bobrovsky is now, or at least the reality that we've accepted, um, that he is grossly overpaid, and expectations are very like I I don't know. It's kind of like I'm not surprised. It's it's kind of it, it is what it is. It's kind of we just have him and that you kind of just stuck with them right from, exactly. the, from the like, past regime like, like the, and, and I, I don't i don't want to say like he hasn't been that bad like or anything like i i still like very much like this tandem with spencer knight um but you definitely have to expect like to get these kind of games every so often from Sergey Bobrovsky, that's just the sad. Yeah, like, like the thing for me with Bob is like it's just the inconsistency of it, right? Like you never know which one you're gonna get in that any night, and you usually yeah. know within like the first five minutes whether he's gonna be on his game or whether you're gonna need to play really good D in front of him, which the Panthers with their lineup aren't really able to do, and that can be really you know frustrating if you're you know, a team and a team that wants to compete when you can't have full faith in the guy uh, in your net every single night. And that's kind of what Sergei Bobrovsky has been uh, for this season, at least. I mean, yeah, excellent uh, against the, you know, Washington Capitals. But then against the Dallas Stars, like Dallas is a team, they don't score that much, right? They get four in the first period. And I mean, the game's basically over there and they made a great, you know, comeback attempt, the Panthers, right? They were able to get some goals back. Um, and Spencer Knight, I thought, came in, was pretty good in relief. He gave them, you know, he lets in the one goal, but he gives them a chance to at least fight and come back in that one. Yeah. Um, but you go down four early. It's just incredibly difficult. Like, you need your goalie to make to make some saves. You really do. And that's that's really a game where I'm I was – I think that yeah. do you start Spencer Knight? I in those games or in coming up in in that Dallas game. 
I don't like. I think like I I would have started Spencer Knight all three of these games just based on the way he's been playing. I think but he's like, earned that. Like like, but not <clears throat> like, like say it's it's the Thursday morning and you're playing Dallas that evening. Washington has already happened. Bob's been good. You're playing Dallas at home. And then you're playing the Flames at home on a Saturday. Like I, I would have started. I would. Have I, started, I, I, I would have started I, Bob in Dallas. Yeah. After, after the way he played in Washington, I think like if I'm a goalie, right, and I've been struggling, and I finally have an opportunity to, you know, and have a really good game, I would probably want to get back out there as soon as possible and just try to keep the momentum going. And I'm guessing that's why they went for it. The issue is that he didn't keep like, the momentum goalie. He sucked. And it's two points gone. Yeah, and I I think like the the it's it's kind of tough. Um, obviously, you're gonna play Bob today. They play Columbus later. Obviously, yeah. Bob is gonna get the Columbus game. Yeah, like that's just that that's just how it works. And again, like I said, from the so outset, so that means that means this the night is starting on the on the Saturday against the Flames. If you want Bob and Ned on Sunday, you're not going to play him back to back. Yeah, right. And and so you look at the stretch from Washington to Columbus, and that's three starts for Bob. And one start for for night, and I I think where I'm more looking for, even if if guys are hot, Spencer Knight's been hot too. Well, the thing is like I I never and, and you've got to be able to manage two hot hands, and and I I think when you have to go fifty fifty when you do that. Yeah, it's 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 tough. Like I I again like I said on last week's episode, I would have started Spencer Knight in all of these games and gone to Bob today. Right, mm-hmm. but I think it, it gets trickier once Bob plays that game against Washington. If he played that game against Washington and played poorly, I think it's really easy to say, okay, we'll go Spencer against Dallas. We'll go Spencer against Calgary. We'll give Bob Columbus. I think that's a really easy decision. But based on the way he played, I think he deserved to get the next game. And then based on the way he played in that game, he deserved definitely not to play uh, against Calgary. Which... <clears throat> You know, it's just the way it's gone for the Panthers is they need someone to to be consistent. I think Spencer Knight undoubtedly has been the better goalie uh, of the two this season. But he also did struggle uh, against that Calgary team yesterday. He did get a lot of praise. I was watching the Calgary broadcast. They were giving a lot of praise to Spencer Knight throughout the game. Um, and they thought, you know, this is gonna, I was going to be a really good goalie in this league for a very long time. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's what we're kind of hoping for here. Like, hopefully. But um, but it was it was such a weird game from him where he made some really really spectacular saves, but then some of the goals that go in, I'm like, you're gonna want to save that. Yeah, like I I didn't watch as much of the Flames game as I wanted to, but there were definitely like a few times, and also in the shootout where I was watching, and I was like, hmm, like. He could be covering a little better or like his movement. He's maybe coming out a little too much and confronting a little too much rather than just staying a little more back and being a little more poised. Um, but like at the end of the day, he's still 23. 23? Uh, I got it here. 22, 23, 21. early 20s, 21. What? He's 21 years old. Like, the the sky is the absolute limit for that like when when like what's the what's the universal like age for peak goalies or goalie the peak age for goalies the peak age for goalies like when, like do, when think... do they hit their peak cuz my guess, my guess would be late 20s i th- i think most goalies it's pretty late in their 20s they hit their peak yeah but when do you start to know what they are? Like, when do you start to know when a goalie's he's ready? And I think, honestly, probably 24. Right? And I'll throw out some goalies around the league. I'm just looking, by the way, at elite. I, at the... I, I mean, the, the one I'm thinking of is Stuart Skinner. 
Stuart Skinner's unbelievable, by the way. He really is. Unbelievable and, goalie. And and how long did it take him to develop between juniors and um the NHL? Like at least three full seasons, if not four. Yeah, like he took he took a really long time to be, you know, he's been very good. And again, the sample size is short, and also they're in a bit of a conundrum. But he's 24, and he's just coming into his own. I think honestly, he could have been in the NHL last year, Stuart Skinner based on the way he performed, so let's say 23, right? I, I think by 24, you probably know. Yeah, I right? I, I think so too. Like, I, I got a list, by the way, of all the NHL goalies in the league right now and their, and their ages, right? So if you look around the league, right, like a guy like Jake Ottinger, who's been unbelievable for Dallas, right? They just signed him after what he did in the bubble, or not in the bubble, yeah. in the playoffs last year, right? He just came into his own. He's another goalie who was a first-round pick, right? He really only established himself last season and in the playoffs, and he's been great to start this season. He's 24. Right, twenty four years old, just kind of figuring out what he like, is. like, like that's when, like, t- basically, like twenty four is kind of like the age at which you, you'd expect a goalie to to be or have like broken out. Yeah, you know, that, like, I I think when yeah when you look around the league, uh, and you look at some of the goalies like Ilya Sorokin. How many years and would it, you say? How many years would you say Elias Rokin's been a very good goalie in the NHL, a top end goalie? Because I think he is. I don't know how long is he like two, like three, two, seasons? three years, right? He's twenty seven, yeah. so twenty five, right? Yeah. yeah. It, 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 that, Igor Shesterkin, two, three years. He's twenty seven. And, and that's the thing I think what the the Panthers should be planning on is like as soon as. Bobrovsky's contract is over or in its last year because that's probably at some point when you're okay trading him with retaining 50%. Um, Even though 50% is a ton, it's still like you're saving a ton still. Like, I I think the plan would be to just ride Spencer Knight after that, let him develop to his fullest potential and just get a really solid dependent backup who's probably more of a veteran. Like a modern day, because this guy's a little bit too old now, but a modern day Yaroslav Halak. That's literally who I was thinking of. Yeah, I was going to say, you were talking, I was like, you've described Yaroslav Halak. Like a guy who, if Knight gets injured, can step in. Obviously, if Knight gets yeah. injured. Well, have bigger problems um but like that's true of having any number one goalie um and i i think that's that's how you write it out and the, i i truly believe he's 21 years old like who the heck knows where he's going to be by 24 right like well i have a list of every goalie who's played a game in the nhl this year right he's the youngest one the only ones that are closer 23-year-old Arvid Soderblom in Chicago who has played because of injuries. And uh, Akira Schmidt in New Jersey who's played because of injuries. You don't see many goalies this young in the NHL, right? And I think that kind of distorts people's perception of Spencer Knight where they're looking at him being like, ah, he's, you know, you know, they're kind of writing him off. And it's like, you're only writing him off because he's in the NHL right now, right? And you're seeing him every day and they need him to perform, right? And the reality is that the top goalies in the league right now are not where Spencer Knight was at that age. Like the only guy I'm thinking of right now that could be in the similar category is Carter Hart. How old is Carter Hart currently? 23, 24? Yeah, and he's been in the league. He's 24. He's been in the league four years. He's been in the league since he was 20, similar to Spencer Knight, right? Yeah, yeah, very similar. Very, and, very and, similar. But Carter Hart's had a lot of ups and downs, and this year he's been good, really good for Philadelphia, right? But he's 24. That's that age where you start to figure it out. And a lot of ups and downs so far. Right? And, like, 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 I, I, th- And I think I don't think that's fair to blame on Carter Hart. I think a lot of it has to do with the Philadelphia Flyers just not knowing how to really construct a hockey team. Um, yeah. but, uh, like exactly. And, and he's actually somebody who is 100% a starting goalie in the NHL. Yeah, probably absolutely. a good one. Um, and, and like, that's probably your low end, like 
projection for Spencer Knight right now, well, to yeah. be honest. Well, yeah, and you and you look at the career of Carhartt, because I think that is really the only true comparable you can use, and you yeah. say, okay, he, he highly drafted, had a lot of showed a lot of promise in junior, right? Got to the NHL very quickly, looked very good early on, then struggled, especially with consistency, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and now he's 24 and it seems like he's settled into his game. Yeah, we're not, we're not there yet with Spencer Knight. He experienced an injury. Like that's it's all stuff that like goes into your development. And it's kind of you know, like it's just it's it's as if Spencer Knight is hitting all the milestones you need to hit before a certain age, but he's just hitting them so much sooner than everyone else. Yeah. And so everyone's right. right? Because he's so highly drafted and because he's been around the team for a couple of years now, people are expecting him like, oh, he's a first round pick. Why isn't he playing like an elite goalie? And it's like, well, even the elite goalies who go in the first round, they take time. And there just hasn't been enough time with Spencer Knight. And I think he'll figure it out. Um, and I think, you know, he's shown some, he's had some really great games this year. Um, against Calgary, it was like a weird one uh, where, again, he made some great saves, but then you know, the numbers won't look good and the goals he let in weren't great. Um, the other thing too, also, by the way, I just want to point, I think he's terrible in the shootout right now. Okay. I, it wasn't just me who saw that in the Calgary game. No, but also the penalty shot, uh, Ludistrom scored against him. He comes out. Yeah. So like, if you come in with speed on Spencer Knight, just take it wide shelf. It. It's, it's he he leaves so much room when he comes out like that. He's he, got he's got to come back in quicker. Yeah, he's gotta he's gotta fix that a little because guys are just. I, I don't know if he's expecting like I don't know who scored this goal the other night. Um, basically stopped in front of the goalie. Um, probably Kuznetsov. Yeah, yeah, the Kuznetsov goal. I don't know if that's what he expects. Like, the guys but, are just but, gonna stop and he's gonna have time to like. No, most guys don't like. Yeah, they, like, they unless, unless I see Kuznetsov coming in on me, I'm probably just, like literally like that's the book on him right now. And like because he comes out so far, when guys come in with speed on him, he's got to either hold his ground or back up quickly, right? And if you're backing up too quickly, you're gonna back yourself into the net, right? It, either way, it's easy for the shooter. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I, be... I I completely agree with that. Like the the good news is that. As long as you make it to the playoffs, there are no more shootouts, and you only have to deal with penalty shots, and that's a because rarity. I think, I, I think it's weird where he like he kind of reads it like a breakaway, and he's he's pretty good on breakaways at stopping them. But yeah. in a breakaway, I think a shooter's a lot more rushed. They don't have like a set thing they're gonna do right, and so coming up and being that aggressive works pretty fine. Coming with a guy coming in on a breakaway, he's maybe not gonna you know if a D's on him, he's not gonna be able to go around you the same way. But in a shootout, don't do that. Exactly. Right. And again, young guy, right? Something to learn. Yeah. I also yeah, think, I too, with both the goalies, I think a large factor has to be the way the team plays in front of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I remember watching the Edmonton game a couple of weeks ago, right? And Florida got the first 11 shots of the game, right? They didn't allow anything. And if you're Spencer, I think it can be it can be really hard for a goalie to settle into a game when you're not seeing much of the puck. It, yeah. And the Panthers are a team that they have the puck a lot. They like to attack, right? So they're getting a lot of shots on the other team's net. They're not giving up a ton of shots. Um, but when they are, they're giving up really high-quality chances. So it makes their goaltenders look really bad because they'll face it, 10 shots and let in two goals. But, you know, exactly. those shots are are really high danger. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's like there's so many variables that go into it, right? And, yeah. and that's just one of them. And the, there's, there's a ton more and you kind of, you gotta, you gotta put everything into context and understand everything in the, in the, um, in the scope. And it's, it, that's really important. So, um, yeah, like I, I think that given the, the resources at his disposal on defense right now, um, like I think that he's doing, as good or as better of a job as you'd expect. Um, but it's not easy. That's the problem, man. Like, right? Like, it's, you're almost setting easy. your goalies up to, like, 
if I'm a goalie, right, like I almost would rather face like a decent amount of shots because then I'm getting into a rhythm, right? Like if you give me 30 shots from the outside, right? At least I'm feeling the puck. I'm not overly challenged and I'm getting myself into the game. Whereas when I don't see a puck for eight minutes and the first one I see is, you know, a cross ice pass on a two on O, what am I supposed mm-hmm. to do? Right. It, it just is the way this team plays. Um, we'll get into that a little bit in the last half of the episode. Cause I want to talk about, you know, what the Panthers should be looking at personnel wise. Um, but before we get into the second half and into our ad read, uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about the Calgary game, the return of Jonathan Hubert and Mackenzie Weger, uh to South Florida for that game. Uh, what did you make of seeing them with the Calgary Flames sweaters on? First of all, well, so obviously I, I live in Calgary, so I've gone to a few Flames games now and I've seen Huberto in that sweater. So I've unfortunately gotten a little used to it. Um, same goes for Uyghur. Um But, I mean, Uyghur, it's the short hair that will never be. I'll never I don't like it. Short hair. No, me neither. I think it's it just is. not him. It's not him. I'm telling you, though, that city, it changes you. It does. It really does. Um. So I uh, I thought that was, you know, so I, I've kind of forced myself to get used to it. But I really, really liked um that pass in the uh, in the warm up. Yeah. From Barkov to Huberto, that was uh, that was special. And I I listened to the interviews with Huberto about you know the game and coming back, and I, he seemed it seemed to mean a lot for him. So I I think that was really really cool. Yeah, like I think you can tell he genuinely misses like a lot of the the guys. Yeah, uh, that the Panthers have like he had a lot of you know close connections to these players. So it's nice to see that. Nice to see him get you know a warm reception back. Uh, unfortunate that he came away with the two points and, and got that goal in the shootout. Uh, and I think uh, who made who did who made a run at him during the game was it Bennett? It might have been. I think Bennett tried to tried to plow him at one point in the game. So. That was uh, that was pretty pretty interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, it's always like he, he meant a lot to like this uh this Panthers team, right? And it was sad to see him go. I mean, we understand the reasons for the trade, right? And you know, I don't think anyone's dissatisfied with getting you know Maddie Kachuk in Florida. It does seem though like Huberto might not be having the best time with his new coach. There seems to be a bit of a rift there between him and Daryl Sutter, which is. Shocking to me because, as you know, Daryl Sutter's a barrel of sunshine. Well, that's the thing. Like, Daryl Sutter just gets along with everyone. So the fact that he wouldn't get along here, it just it, it kind of hurts. But, um, like, I, I understand. You know, I, I think, I think it takes a, it, it may be easy to understand, to, to think about and to like imagine, but like, I think Daryl Sutter wants you to play in exactly one specific way the daryl sutter way the daryl sutter way and i think it takes some time to get used to that for some guys and i i think that ultimately it's like the, the players just need to realize that they will play better if they like all buy into his system and you know so on um, so I, I think it may just take a little time to get to that point, but I, I like if I, if I'm a, I wouldn't be worried about it from a Flames perspective. I know certainly some Flames fans are, um, but it's gonna it's gonna start to click, and you've got to remember that like it's just that Huberto was used to playing with Barkov. Well, it's also it's it's that, but it's also I think Huberto's used to playing under like. And Andrew Brunette, who I, you know, I, I don't know from any personal experience, but he seemed to have a very different approach to coaching than Daryl Sutter. Very different. And I, that that's tough, right? For, for Huberto that I think what we can call uh, Andrew Brunette's system, a little more libertarian. Um, like it's his whole, like, I am. I I'd imagine that like Andrew Burnett would walk around with a notebook about like strategy and stuff, and the only thing he has written in there is just vibes. Like it's like kind of I I'm trying to find a good comparison, but like it's two completely different parenting styles. 
Yeah. You know, you've there's got a fun like, parent. Yeah, exactly. And then there's the parent that's waking you up at like 6 a.m. to go work on the farm. And yeah. It's Daryl Sutter, yeah. right? And so yeah. it's a huge adjustment for a player, I think. And at the end of the day, both parenting methods were probably going to get similar results. Yeah, they it's can both how, be successful. Yeah, it's just about kind of how you get there. And uh, no, I can going from from the the floor, the the brunette school of thought to the uh, to the Sutter school of thought cannot be easy on anyone. Um, and Jonathan Huberto on top of losing his Lamborghinis has to deal with this. Um, so I, I definitely think it's, it's going to take some, some time for him to get used to it, but. And the uh, good news is it. they, yeah, he has a lot of time to get used to it. He has nine more years, so. He enjoy him. Exactly. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, I don't know if you caught, uh, during the intermission on the, the Canada broadcast, they were doing like a feature with like Matthew Kachuk, right? You know? Which is him just like vibing in Florida, like on like a beach chair, right? But he was like talking. I, did you see it? I did not see this, but it, this sounds great. No, but he, he was talking about Florida, right? And the team, right? He was like, man, like as soon as I got here, like he, like he couldn't speak highly enough about the players, the staff, like everything, right? But he went really out of his way to talk about how great of a coach he thought Paul Maurice was. Like, I get it. Like you would never go out and say your coach is shit. But he genuinely seems to really enjoy playing for Paul Maurice. And he was talking about, you know, how great of a communicator he is, how honest he is, how he expects really great things out of you, right? Like he has, he gives that belief to you as a player, right? Like he couldn't speak high, like he couldn't speak highly enough of Paul Maurice as a coach, which I personally found very interesting because I know there are a lot of pa- like Panthers fans that don't seem happy with Paul Maurice as a coach, right? And I understand the reasons for that, but it's interesting hearing a player kind of talk about it because to me, there also is a difference between like a player, you know, saying like, yeah, he's a really great coach. He knows the details, right? Like that's just kind of your standard stuff. To me, he went really out of his way to talk about uh, a Paul Maurice and kind of gas him up a bit, um, which I think to me seemed really genuine. The Flames brought, oh, sorry, you go. Yeah, that that can certainly be like, that's interesting because I mean, Paul Maurice is very much like an an older generation coach. Like he was, he he's I, weird because he's from an older I, generation, but he's still young. That's the thing. Like I couldn't even tell you the first season he he was coaching in the National Hockey League. It was before think, we were born. I think the Whalers. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so good, good puck knowledge from us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, and, and especially for a guy who a couple of years ago said, like, like he, like, like who, who had a really interesting exit from Winnipeg. Yeah. Like, I, I just, it seems really, really cool. I think I, I haven't seen a lot of Paul Maurice this season i just i I haven't listened to a lot of interviews or anything um but like i generally hope he's also happy about it because um like you obviously don't i don't think he had to to work more in his life to afford retirement um but like just to to be back in the in the mold like i i think it's really cool to see kachuk speak so highly of him um, especially considering I'm not sure he'd speak so highly about his old coach. Well, that was my next thing. It was like, first of all, yeah, I think it is really cool that, you know, he's speaking so highly of Paul Maurice, right? And as much as, you know, we fans can sit there and be critical of Paul Maurice and the results that the team's not getting, right? I think a part of that's not Paul Maurice's fault. It's just the expectation from the last couple of years and this year isn't those years. Mm-hmm. But we're not in that room. We don't know what goes on. We don't know the interactions. Matthew Kachuk does, right? And to me, he went above and beyond to speak highly of him. The Flames, though, broadcast also did, and Eric Francis did seem to think that Kachuk was also very heavily implying that Daryl Sutter was not these things. That's how they are reading into it. Do you think? Do you agree with that? Do you think that's what Matthew Kachuk was getting at? Uh, um, 
Matt, well, you see, Matthew Kachuk always does things very, like, in front of everyone, doesn't ever do anything behind anybody's back. So I, I just, I, I, I don't see how they could think that. Um, but at the same time, uh, you're always subconsciously, like, you're always, like, his opinion of Paul Maurice is formed thanks to his previous opinion about Daryl Sutter. I know we're kind of getting into a little psychological talking, but um, like psychologically, that's that's what it is. Like whether he wants it or not, his opinion of Daryl Sutter somehow factors in how, how much he likes um, right. Paul Maurice because whether whether he's doing it consciously or not, he's there's a comparison comparison going on. So I um. Yeah, like I think it was fair think, of them to imply that, to to. I think it's a bit of both, right? That. And yeah, yeah, I think because I think a bit both things both can be and... true. I think he can love Paul Maurice as a coach and also take a shot at Daryl Sutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely think uh, above all, it means that he likes Paul Maurice. I don't think he's yeah. he, like I, if if the Flames guys were bring were implying that he only brought it up to shit on Sutter. I don't think that's true. No, like, I think that he he wouldn't do that. That he would, uh, you know what I mean. Um, so it's just like a subtle little jab. Exactly. I I I one hundred percent agree with that. You know, what my favorite part of the whole because I didn't watch it right, but the Flames guys were talking too, right? And they showed the clip of do you remember when Matthew Kachuk slew footed like Mark Shifley in the playoffs, right? I believe so. Yes. And accidentally, right? And they showed the clip of Paul Marie, like quote of like Paul Maurice being like. That is a gutless play from like a gutless player. He could have ended his career, right? And they were like, well, it seems like Paul Maurice has really changed his mind on Matthew Kachuk, right? And then they cut to like a quote from like Paul Maurice, like recently, where he was talking about Matthew Kachuk, right? And he was like, oh, Matthew's like really like grown and matured as a player. He's a much cleaner and smarter player than, uh, you know, who he was back then. And in my head, I was like, Paul, he damn near took a guy's eye out like a week ago. <laughs> what do you mean? And and I, that, this guy's you know, I I think I I think we all know this is there are guys in the league that you absolutely hate to play against, but you would love to have on your team. And I think you could very much put Matthew Kachuk at the top of that list alongside the likes of Brad Marchand, Tom Wilson. Etc. Um, that that that's just that's just the reality is when yeah. you're gonna play against them, you're gonna hate their guts. You're gonna want to kill them. But when they're playing for you, it's just they're the best player out there. Yeah, and that's why we love having Matthew Kachuk. Precisely, he's been uh, excellent so far. Had a great goal that game. Um, but I'll get into a quick ad read here, and then I want to talk about a, a couple more Panthers things. Uh, before we sign off for this episode but hockey fans it's finally time to hit the ice again and thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL you're in for the season of a lifetime new customers can bet five dollars on any team and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they win uh, lots of exciting matchups we got uh, coming up this week uh, so definitely some really great opportunities and if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn smaller bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, no, we'll get back into it here. Uh, Florida Panthers, currently, uh, you know, they are sitting outside the playoff picture. I believe they are below Detroit in the standings, which is gross to see. Yeah. Uh, quite simply, it has not been the best start to the year for the Florida Panthers. And we kind of knew that going in, 
Um, with that being said, are you, if you're the Panthers, if you're in the GM seat right now, uh, what kind of moves are you looking to make to help this team? And I know it's really limited because of the cap, but what moves, if any, are you kind of looking for for this team? I... Like, I I don't know if I'm, like, actively, like, it's hard to say. It, it's, it's hard to say. I think Florida's in a weird position right now. And I, I think a lot of it is dictated by how this particular season goes. Yeah. Um, obviously, if we had a first-round pick, in the draft, obviously my answer would be much different than what it is going to be now. And I think yeah. that that handcuffs you severely right now because I think if you have a first-round pick, I think the mentality should be be okay with not making the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think it does really, really change the mentality because – as much as we're, you know, of the mindset, you know, this this might not be the year for this team. The reality is it can't be like a brutal year for the team. Like you still have to make the playoffs. Exactly. You still have to be you still have to be in that mix. You can't afford to have lost, you know, a really, really high pick. And so you would like to see, you know, the team kind of it's tough because again, they don't have any cap room at all. But you'd like to see them do at least something to to try and help. Do you think? Uh, yeah, like the, the 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 good news is that Buffalo and Ottawa have have already checked out. You know, it's hilarious that I remember like, and we've done this for the last three years, where Buffalo gets off to a hot start, and we're like, "Oh, is Buffalo for real this year?" And then we're like, "Oh, but they they did this last year, right?" But there's like, there's no way they do it again, right? This is the year they did it again. They did it again, and I I. I, I think we talked about that. It's it, it's just it's Buffalo. Buffalo's gonna Buffalo. They really are. And that's just that's just what's gonna happen. But you know, in Ottawa, who I'm pretty sure we both had in our play in playoff spots. Yeah, um, we suck. <laughs> Yo, we, we actually like we suck. Like that's what we throw a freaking Canadian team a bone. Um, that's what we get for trusting our good friend Jacob Barker when he said no the Sens are like legitimately decent so uh, you know like Buffalo and Ottawa have checked out Montreal is somehow still in the mix um, with Florida probably Montreal is probably just competing to not make a playoff spot um, yeah I like that from them and then and then yeah so so the way I see it is you've got Tampa and Detroit Unfortunately, Tampa is Tampa ing. Like they're they're just they're Tampa. Yeah. There's a reason they've made it to the Stanley Cup finals for the last like three years. Um so there there's there's that, but and I, I think if you're Florida, your main competitor is Detroit. And that's for a wild card spot. Yeah. Like I, I don't think if you're Florida, we can look at this right now and say confidently we can make one of those three spots in the Atlantic. No, I, I, I don't think you, you really can at this point. So so I think your battle now becomes, yes, Detroit in your division, but it also becomes Pittsburgh and the Rangers. Yeah, it it does. And I think so, I think if you look at the roster right now, like, I do think something needs to change. And I think if you ask most Panthers fans what needs to change, their answer would be the stalls. Quite simply. Right? I don't even think Boston's stupid enough to to trade for Eric Stahl. And even for future considerations. No, like unless he had like a seriously like shady past, there's no way they're doing that. Um, and I don't think he does. I think Eric Stahl's probably a very decent person. But I actually think so too, for the record. Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, I've heard nothing otherwise. Um, but like it's tough because they're so limited. Like, I think they need to find a way to improve this roster. They're really limited in what they can do, like 
in terms of internally, right, you're looking at Hapo Niemi and uh, Lucas Carlson as guys who could come in and give you a bit of a bump, right? I think those are two useful pieces. Do you think there's any situation you can see where they would look outside at maybe a trade to add a guy? I, 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 obviously, yes. Um, I, I think that if you're presented an opportunity to make your team better and not at the expense of too much, I think I, you have a duty to your the team and to the fans to to consider that um, and to probably make that deal. Um, I just don't think there's anything like that that's going to present itself to the Panthers that's well, going to actually like create an impact on the ice. And I think if you look at the standings, there's a couple other teams just in the Eastern conference that are in a similar situation to the Panthers where they kind of have to make the playoffs this year and they're not in playoff spots and they're going to have to make moves. Yeah. I think Washington and Pittsburgh, I think they're, they're looking at the standings and they're looking at the clock and they're saying like, like time's ticking. Yeah. I, I think I agree. Like, I think it's it, time's taken for them. Like it's, it could be an arms race where, you know, teams are trying to beef up for the Panthers. I did, I did have a couple names I want to throw out there and just discuss as potential options for the Florida Panthers. Um, Right. And it's, it's really tough because what I've done is, so I got like, you could, if you were the Panthers, could you add a forward? Yeah, you probably could, right? Like my, like you've got to. You, sorry, we've got to remember that we still have Duclair coming back at some point, right? And that's almost like adding another guy. And that, that that's that's an impact. That's an easy top nine, if not top six player. Yeah, like there was one guy I had debated throwing out there as like maybe could the Panthers look at trading for this guy? But the issue is that his team's actually been playing pretty well right now. I was going to throw it like Daniel Sprong is kind of like a, a medium ad because I think he plays really well in the Panthers system. Okay, but what about a big ad? Oh my God, shut up. Is it? I don't know if you... Yeah. Are, were you going to say Saran Noel? No, but that's a better idea. Um. Like, do you think? Do you think there is a universe in which Mike Greer would consider a Bobrovsky for Carlson trade? Absolutely not. Damn it! I don't. I really don't think he with does. other assets. Yeah, unless the asset is like fifty percent retained and like your first round picks until the end of time. I don't think he's doing it. <gasps> not with the like, league. but like San Jose though is a team I would I would look at as like a potential trading partner. I hear who's the other guy, Timo Meyer. Yeah, with what cap no, space? No, you can't. Right, like I'm thinking. So I got a list here of because I think if look at the like look at the Panthers, right? If they're gonna make a trade, it's got to be for a defenseman. It's got to be, right? They got to add a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Now, it needs to be someone very cheap, obviously, with the limited cap space, and there's got to be some money going the other way. Now. You might look at a team. There are two types of teams you can look at here, right? You can look at teams where maybe they're a team that's really competitive right now, and they got a younger guy who uh, maybe they're not able to get him as much ice time as they'd like, so they just want to beef up in another area. Or you're looking for a team where they've had a prospect in their system a while, and they're just maybe looking to switch prospect for prospect, right? In which case you could look at like a Dennis Senko, or uh, a Saran Noel going out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay. okay. No, it's, it's one, a height. One step at a time here, bud. All right, so here's what I got. I got a list here of every defenseman in the NHL who costs $1 million or less. Just out of curiosity, is there a total for the number of players that fit that criteria? Um... It's about a hundred players. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about some names. I want to first state that uh, 
unfortunately, I was not able to. Uh, there was a couple of guys I wanted to include, but I couldn't because they were just like a little bit too pricey. Because I'm only going a million dollars or less. Like I think, unfortunately, Anton Strawman costs just a little bit more, <laughs> which is uh, disastrous. But uh, so under a million dollars, some. Oh no, Anton Strawman's a million dollars. Absolutely not, though. Why would you, you know, replace Mark Stahl with shittier Anton Mark Stahl? Yeah. Not even shittier, yeah. the same. Yeah. Um. This is a team. I th- I don't think they wouldn't move them. Like I, I like Trevor Van Riemsdyk, but I don't think Washington move him. I really like him too, actually. Yeah, but I think like on that deal for Washington, that's a big, big guy to have. Yeah, no, like that's hugely important. You've I would also got to like you've also got to trade with for somebody who's like not indispensable. Exactly because right? because in especially in this year's salary cap year. Cheap defensemen are cheap players. Period. Like, like players that can potentially play above their uh, contracts value. There's like they're very, very like indispensable for teams. Exactly right. Like the value of a guy on a cheap deal is hugely significant for a lot of teams, um, because of just the way the salary, uh, cap is these days. So unfortunately, yeah, you're pretty limited. Like I would love Trevor Van Riemsdyk. I would love if they can make a move work, but there's, I don't see any possibility. There's also a ton of guys on here who are on like their ELCs. Um, so like you would obviously like there's no way like you're getting Jamie Drysdale. So ignore that, right? And then like, I'm gonna throw it a name to you here. Guess what team he plays for? Marcus Bjork. Arizona. Columbus. Oh, See, I, like, I wasn't far. Right, like you're not taught, like you're not targeting guys like that, right? As you get lower now, I really like this guy, but again, this team's in a playoff spot. I don't think they look to move him. Will Borgen in Seattle? Yeah. Well, Good Borgen se- was in the ex- expansion draft, right? Yeah, like he and we both, I think, picked him as who mm-hmm. we take from Buffalo. Like yeah. he he's got some physicality to him, and he's a good skater, right? And I think that fits the bill for what the Panthers would want. Like, I think you want a guy who can actually skate, unlike the stalls, but also has a bit of grit, unlike uh, some of the D that they currently have. So I like the the fit of that, but uh, I don't see them moving him, right? Mm-hmm. Like Bowen Byram, no. Caden Gooley, no, right? Luke Shen, irrelevant. <laughs> Calvin DeHaan, I really like, but they wouldn't move him. He's on a good deal. Um. Uro Vakanainen would be interesting out of Anaheim because I think he's got some, he's another first round pick who has potential, but he's already on his second team. So I don't think they're looking to give up on him. Um, and I was scrolling through this list earlier. There was actually a couple of names that did interest me. These are guys, I'm, I'm approaching this with like a reclamation project mindset because that's kind of <laughs> what you have to do, right? You it's, really do. Because like you're not going to get a guy who's got like 500 games of NHL experience getting less than a million dollars a year. It's just not happening, right? You got to do what you did with like, you know, now a couple off seasons ago, where you bring in a guys and just hope that like a couple of them pan out. Uh, this is a guy I've heard this team might look to move him. Pierre Oliver Joseph out of Pittsburgh. I would 100% take him on my team. He can skate. He was nasty in juniors. Right. Now, if they're looking for a change of scenery and you give up like, Correct me if I'm wrong, but this would be his second change of scenery. The first one, not so on purpose. That way he was just like, he was a part of a deal. Yeah. So he was drafted by Arizona. Yeah. But you take Pierre Oliver Joseph, right? You go, right? And you ask, you know, you call up uh, Brian Burke and you say, can I have Pierre Oliver Joseph, right? And uh, and Brian Burke says, what are you going to give me, right? And then you say, you got a pretty good Russian player on your team called Evgeny Malkin. How would you like the next Evgeny Malkin and Grigory Denisenko? And that's the minute Brian Burke gets on the phone with the central registry and says, yeah, we got a deal here. <laughs> that honestly is not a bad trade. It's not. It's not. I kind of like it. Right? Like, that's not bad. Also, you know how much pain we see Mark Giordano making $800,000? What a joke. <laughs> what an absolute joke. Of an organization. Oh, still can't win anything. Uh, 
Here's a name I know you're going to love. I'm going to throw it out there. And he's a great player. Really great player. Young player. But this team, they're playing really well, and they just can't find a place for him in the lineup. It's Kevin Ball. Yes. Yes. I would he's, trade for Kevin Ball so quickly. He's so tall. It's he's so big. And he can skate. <laughs> Who wouldn't want him? I can't that, believe it. Another guy on his like second organization, but boy, would I love Kevin Ball. You know? Oh, me too. So good. Um, and then other than that, like it really thins out after that. Like, Maybe Radko Gudis has a cousin that nobody's heard about. That would be nice too. LA's been good. They wouldn't move anyone. And um but, Yeah, there's like and, some and, and it's guys. like it's like it's still early enough in the season where um where teams don't really know where they are yet either and exactly. are going to be cautious to move this early. Um so I yeah, I I'd, I'd be really surprised if we saw Billy do anything before December, but I even in December we'll see. That's usually when things start to kind of maybe one or two things, you know, sometimes the uh, Elliot Friedman reports a thing or two and a thing or two gets done, but uh yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. I don't think anything is remotely yeah. imminent. Other than that, like honestly, I'm looking at the list. It's not great of like cheap defensemen. Like uh, those are the two big highlights. Like the only other name I was maybe gonna throw out there because I think like I don't know for some reason he could use a change of scenery, but I think he could be okay as Vili Hanola out of uh, Winnipeg. Yeah, he's Finnish. I feel like we've heard his name before. I feel like Winnipeg, look, they just refuse to play him in the NHL because he's not as exactly. big as Logan Stanley. Exactly, and I'm not a Logan Stanley fan. Me either. And Vili Hanola, I'm like lukewarm on but i'm not like super opposed to it right um but those are his three names i want to throw out that i would maybe like to see the panthers target do i think they do it absolutely not but just an idea um last thing though uh before we end this one noah just take a quick look at the schedule for the upcoming florida panthers games in between now and next episode they've got three games if you count the blue jackets game today they got Columbus, Boston, St. Louis. How many points are you looking for the team to grab from those ones? My classic four. That's the expectation. See, like I, I, I would take three point seventy five, but that's unfortunately not allowed in the NHL as of now. I'm writing a petition to allow it, but as of right now, it's not. So I'm gonna have to round up and say four points. All right, Panthers. I'm going to round up even higher. I'm going to say five points. I'm going to say you steamroll the Blue Jackets, you pluck a point off the Bruins, and then you go into St. Louis or at home. I'm not sure where that game is. See, in in, Uh, in in, Florida, they come into your barn. I I see that, but like, I think Columbus and St. Louis, you're expecting wins. Columbus has been just not good this season. And St. Louis just vastly underperforming. They're starting to get their engines running, but you've got an opportunity to shut them down while they're still like pretty low. Yeah. Boston, on the other hand, they're just they're steamrolling people. So I think you expect two wins and a loss, and I think you're happy. No, but I also think listen, you start Spencer Knight against the Bruins. Guy went to Boston College. You're telling me he won't wake up fired up, ready to play that game. It's going to be unbeatable, right? I don't care that Boston's got David Krejci. It's not going to matter because we got E2 Lusterinen. And they're going to go head-to-head, and I'm going to say a 4-1 Panthers win. Okay. But we'll see. Should be fun. Some good matchups this week. It should. It should, Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think uh, that does it for this episode. Thank you so much to everyone tuning and listening. We appreciate it, as always. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode, and we'll see you all then.
at center, Barkov looking to get a step on Mete. Barkov to the net, Barkov between the legs, unbelievable! Did you just do that, Alexander Barkov? The Panthers are back on top.